Chapter 14 of Slave Planet by Lawrence M. Janifer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The mixture of feelings inside Cadnan was entirely new to him, and he couldn't control it very well. He found himself shaking without meaning to, and was unable to stop himself. There was relief, first of all, that it was all over that he no longer had to worry about what Marver might have planned, or whether Marver were going to involve him. There was fright. Seeing anyone carry through such a foolhardy, almost impious idea in the teeth of the masters. And there was simple disappointment. The disappointment of a novice theologue who has seen his pet heretic slip the net and go free. For Cadnan had tried earnestly, night after night, to convert Marver to the new truths the elders had shown him. They were luminously obvious to Cadnan, and they set the world in beautiful order. But somehow he couldn't get through to Marver at all, couldn't express the ideas he had well enough or convincingly enough to let Marver see how beautiful and true all of them really were. For a time, in fact, he told himself with bitterness that Marver's escape had really been all his own fault. If he'd only had more talks with Marver, he thought cloudily, or if he'd only been able to speak more convincingly. But regret is part of a subjunctive vocabulary. At least one writer has noted that the subjunctive is the mark of civilization. This may be true. It seems true. In Cadnet's case, at any rate, it certainly was true. Uncivilized, he spent little time in subjunctive moods. All that he had done, all that Marber had done, was open to him, and he remembered it often, but once the bad first minutes were past, he remembered everything with less and less regret. The mixture, as it stood, was heady enough for Cadman's untrained emotions. He had tried to talk to Marver about the truths, of course. Marver, though, had been obstinately indifferent. Nothing made any impression on his hardened, stubborn mind. And now he was gone. Dara had the news first. She came into their common room at the end of the day very excited, her hands still moving as if she were turning handles in the refinery, even after the close of work. Cadnan, still feeling an attraction for her, and perceiving now that something had disturbed her, stayed where he was squatting. Attraction for Dara, and help given to her, might lead to mating, and mating was against the rule. But Dara came to him. "'Do you know what happens with Marver?' she said. Her voice, always quiet, was still as sweet to Cadnan as it had ever been. "'He is gone, and the masters do not know where.' The mixture of emotions began. Surprise and relief first, then regret and disappointment, then fear, all boiling and bubbling inside him like a witch's stew. He spoke without thinking. He has gone to break the chain of obedience. He has gone to find others who think as he thinks. He is escaped, Dara said. It is the word the masters use when they speak of this. It happens before now, Cadna told her. There are others whom he joins. Dara shut her eye. It is true, but I know what happens when there is an escape. In the place where my work is, there is one from Great Bend Tree. She tells me of what happens. 
Dara fell silent, and Cadnan watched her nervously. But he had no chance to speak. She began again, convulsively. When this other escapes, it is from a room of Great Ben Tree. Cadnan nodded. He and Dara were of Bent Line Tree, and hence in a different room. The segregation, simple for the masters, was handy and unimportant, and so it was used. Cadden thought it natural. Every tree had its own room. Do they find the one who escapes? he asked. They find him. The masters come in, and they punish the others from the room. Precedent was clearly recognizable, even though it made no sense. Those who had not escaped surely had no reason to be punished, Cadden thought. But what the masters had done to Great Bend Tree, they would do to Bent Line Tree. Everyone would be punished. With a shock, he realized that everyone included Dara. He heard himself speak. You must go. Dara looked at him innocently. Go? she said. You must go as Marver has gone. The masters do not take you for punishment if you go. There is nothing for me to do, she said and her eye closed. No, I wait for you, but only to tell you this. There is nothing I can do. Marver is gone, Cadnan said slowly. You too can go. Maybe the masters do not find you. If you stay, you are punished. If you go, and they do not find you, there is no punishment for you. It amazed him that she could not see so clear a point. Then all can go, she said. All can escape punishment. Cadnan grunted, thinking that over. Where one goes, he said at last, one can go. Maybe many cannot go. Her answer was swift. And you? I stay here, he said, trying to sound as decisive as possible. Dara turned away. I do not listen to your words, she said flatly. I do not hear you or see you. Cadnan hissed in anguish. She had to understand. What do I say that is wrong? You must... You speak of my going alone, she said. But that is me, and no more. What of the others? Marver, Cadnan said after a second. He is to come and aid them. He tells me this. We join him and come back with him, away from here, to where he stays now. Then none of us are punished. He paused. It will be a great punishment. I know, Dara said. Yet one does not go alone. Her voice was so low that Cadnan could barely hear it. But the words were like sharp stones, stabbing fear into his body. For the first time, he saw clearly exactly what she was driving at. And after a long pause, she spoke again. Where one goes, two may go. Where Marver goes, two may follow, one to lead the other. One goes alone, Cadden said, feeling himself tremble and trying to control it. You must go. It seemed a long time before she spoke again, and Cadden held himself tightly until his muscles began to ache. We go together, she said at last. Two go where one has gone. Only so do I leave at all. It was an ultimatum, and Cadnan understood what was behind it. But an attraction between Dara and himself? He said, There is the rule of the tree. 
but it was like casting water on steel. If we leave here, Dara said, why think of a smaller rule? Cadnan tried to find words, but there were no words. She had won, and he knew it. He could not let Dara stay behind to draw a great punishment, possibly even to die, to be no more Dara, and there was no way of forcing her to go and escape that fate, no way except to go with her. We must wait until they sleep, Dara said in a sudden return to practicality. Then we go. Cadnan looked around at the huddled, vaguely stirring forms of his companions. Fear was joined by a sort of sickness he had never known before. He was a slave, and that was good. But once outside, where would he find work, or food, or a master? Where there was no master, Cadnan told himself, there was no slave. He was nothing, nameless, non-existent. But there was neither word nor action for him now. He tried once more to argue, but his words were parried with a calm tenacity that left no room for discussion. In the end, he was ready to do what he had to do. Had to do, in order, simply, to save Dara. There was no other reason. He needed none. He had heard of the attraction of male for female, though some did not experience it until the true time of mating. He had not, until that moment, known how strong the attraction could be. The waiting, though it seemed like positive days, didn't take long. The others in the room fell asleep, by habit, one by one, and soon Dara and Cadnan were the only ones left awake. Neither was tempted to sleep. Their own terror and their decision kept them very effectively alert. Cadnan said, if the masters see us? Dara turned on him a face that seemed completely calm. They do not see us, she said flatly. Now do not speak. They rose and silently went to the door. The door opened just as quietly and shut once again behind them. The corridor was filled with watching eyes, Cadnan felt, but there were no masters in evidence. They stood for a second, waiting, and then Dara started down toward the big room at the end, her feet silent on the floor, and Cadnan followed her. No masters were visible. There should have been guards, but the guards might have been anywhere. One escape had hardly served to alert a lazy, uninterested group who performed their duties out of no more than habit. Wherever the guards were resting, they were not in the corridor. Everything went smoothly. It was smoother than Cadnan was willing to believe. Soon, though, they were actually in the great lobby of the building. It, too, was dark and empty. They stood dwarfed by the place, the gigantic doors that led to freedom no more than a few feet away. Cadnan kept telling himself that where Marver had gone, he, too, could go. But Marver had had a plan, and Cadnan had none. Yet they were safe, so far, so far. They walked toward the door now, a step at a time. Each step seemed to take an hour, a full day. Dara walked ahead, straight and tall. Cadnan caught up with her, and she put out her hand. There was no more than an instant of hesitation. He took the hand. That pledged them to each other until the time of mating. But what was one more law now? Another step, 
another. Cadnan, in the silence, was suddenly tempted to make a noise, any sort of noise, but it seemed impossible to create sound. The quiet dimness wrapped him like a blanket. He took another step. Mating, he thought. If the chain of obedience was broken, would the trees refuse to obey in their turn? Puna had said so, and it was true. And if the trees refused to obey, there would be no mating. Yet Dara would be safe. That was the important thing. One thing at a time. Another step, and then at last, the door. Cadnan pushed at it, and it opened. And then there was sound. Plenty of sound. More sound than he could have imagined. Sound to fill the great lobby, to fill the entire building with rocking, trembling agonies of noise. There was an alarm bell, to be exact, an alarm buzzer, combinations and solo cadenzas. The guards were, after all, no more than dressing. The automatic machinery never slept, and it responded beautifully and with enthusiasm. Cadnan and Dara ran crazily out into the darkness. The building fell behind them, and the jungle was ahead. Still they ran, but Cadnan felt the ground, bumpy instead of smooth, and stumbled once, nearly falling. He saw Dara ahead of him. Getting up and beginning again was automatic. Panic beat at him. The noise grew and grew. His feet moved, his heart thudded, and then the lights went on. Automatic sweep searchlights were keyed in. The machinery continued to respond. Cadnan found himself suddenly struck blind. Ahead of him, Dara made a single, lonely, terrified sound that overrode all the alarms. Cadnan tried to shout, We must run! In the dark, the masters cannot see! But of course, by then it was too late to move. The masters were all around them. The escape was over. End of chapter 14